0: chapter eighteen of mrs craddock by william somerset maugham this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva for days bertha was overwhelmed with grief she thought always of the dead child that had never lived and her heart ached but above all she was tormented by the idea that all her pain had been futile she had gone through so much her sleep still was full of the past agony and it had been utterly utterly useless her body was mutilated so that she wondered it was possible for her to recover she had lost her old buoyancy that vitality which had been so enjoyable and she felt like an old woman her sense of weariness was unendurable she was so tired that it seemed to her impossible to get rest she lay in bed day after day in a posture of hopeless fatigue on her back with arms stretched out alongside of her the pillows supporting her head all her limbs were singularly powerless recovery was very slow and edward suggested sending for miss ley but bertha refused I don't want to see anybody she said i merely want to lie still and be quiet it bored her to speak with people and even her affections for the time were dormant she looked upon edward as some one apart from her his presence and absence gave no particular emotion she was tired and desired only to be left alone all sympathy was unnecessary and useless she knew that no one could enter into the bitterness of her sorrow and she preferred to bear it alone little by little however bertha regained strength and consented to see the friends who called some genuinely sorry others impelled merely by a sense of duty or by a ghoul-like curiosity miss glover at this period was a great trial the good creature felt for bertha the sincerest sympathy but her feelings were one thing her sense of right and wrong another she did not think the young wife took her affliction with proper humility gradually a rebellious feeling had replaced the extreme prostration of the beginning and bertha raged at the injustice of her lot miss glover came every day bringing flowers and good advice but bertha was not docile and refused to be satisfied with miss glover's pious consolations when the good creature read the bible bertha listened with a firmer closing of her lips sullenly do you like me to read the bible to you dear asked the parson's sister once and bertha driven beyond her patience could not as usual command her tongue if it amuses you dear she answered bitterly oh bertha you're not taking it in the proper spirit you're so rebellious and it's wrong it's utterly wrong i can only think of my baby said bertha hoarsely why don't you pray to god dear shall i offer a short prayer now bertha no i don't want to pray to god he's either impotent or cruel bertha cried miss glover you don't know what you're saying oh pray to god to melt your stubbornness pray to god to forgive you i don't want to be forgiven i've done nothing that needs it it's god who needs my forgiveness not i his you don't know what you're saying bertha replied miss glover very gravely and sorrowfully bertha was still so ill that miss glover dared not press the subject but she was grievously troubled she asked herself whether she should consult her brother to whom an absurd shyness prevented her from mentioning spiritual matters unless necessity compelled but she had immense faith in him and to her he was a type of all that a christian clergyman should be although her character was so much stronger than his mr glover always seemed to his sister a pillar of strength and often in past times when the flesh was more stubborn had she found help and consolation in his very mediocre sermons finally however miss glover decided to speak to him with the result that for a week she avoided spiritual topics in her daily conversation with the invalid then bertha having grown a little stronger without previously mentioning the fact she brought her brother to court lays miss glover went alone to bertha's room in her ardent sense of propriety fearing that bertha in bed might not be costumed decorously enough for the visit of a clerical gentleman oh she said charles is downstairs and would like to see you so much i thought i'd better come up first and see if you er um, presentable bertha was sitting up in bed with a mass of cushions and pillows behind her a bright red jacket contrasted with her dark hair and the pallor of her skin she drew her lips together when she heard that the vicar was below and a slight frown darkened her forehead miss glover caught sight of it i don't think she likes your coming said miss glover to encourage him when she fetched her brother but i think it's your duty yes i think it's my duty replied mr glover who liked the approaching interview as little as bertha he was an honest man oppressed by the inroads of dissent but his ministrations were confined to the services in church the collecting of subscriptions and the visiting of the church-going poor it was something new to be brought before a rebellious gentlewoman and he did not quite know how to treat her miss glover opened the bedroom door for her brother and he entered a cold wind laden with carbolic acid she solemnly put a chair for him by the bedside and another for herself at a little distance ring for tea before you sit down fanny said bertha i think if you don't mind charles would like to speak to you first said miss glover am i not right charles yes dear i took the liberty of telling him what you said to me the other day bertha mrs craddock pursed her lips but made no reply i hope you're not angry with me for doing so but i thought it my duty now charles the vicar of leanham coughed i quite understand he said that you must be most distressed at your affliction it's a most unfortunate occurrence i need not say that fanny and i sympathize with you from the bottom of our hearts we do indeed said his sister still bertha did not answer and miss glover looked at her uneasily the vicar coughed again but i always think that we should be thankful for the cross we have to bear it is as it were a measure of the confidence that god places in us bertha remained quite silent and miss glover saw that no good would come by beating about the bush the fact is bertha she said breaking the awkward silence that charles and i are very anxious that you should be churched you don't mind our saying so but we're both a great deal older than you are and we think it will do you good we do hope you'll consent to it but more than that charles is here as the clergyman of your parish to tell you that it is your duty i hope it won't be necessary for me to put it in that way mrs Craddock. bertha paused a moment longer and then asked for a prayer-book miss glover gave a smile which for her was quite radiant i've been wanting for a long time to make you a little present bertha she said and it occurred to me that you might like a prayer-book with good large print i've noticed in church that the book you generally use is so small that it must try your eyes and be a temptation to you not to follow the service so i've brought you one to-day which it will give me very much pleasure if you will accept she produced a large volume bound in gloomy black cloth and redolent of the antiseptic odors which pervaded the vicarage the print was indeed large but since the society which arranged the publication insisted on the combination of cheapness with utility the paper was abominable thank you very much said bertha holding out her hand for the gift it's awfully kind of you shall i find you the?" churching of women bertha nodded and presently the vicar's sister handed her the book open she read a few lines and dropped it i have no wish to give hearty thanks unto god she said looking almost fiercely at the worthy pair i'm very sorry to offend your prejudices but it seems to me absurd that i should prostrate myself in gratitude to god oh mrs craddock i trust you don't mean what you say said the vicar this is what i told you charles said miss glover i don't think bertha is well but still this seems to me dreadfully wicked bertha frowned finding it difficult to repress the sarcasm which rose to her lips her forbearance was sorely tried but mr glover was a little undecided we must be as thankful to god for the afflictions he sends us as for the benefits he said at last i am not a worm to crawl upon the ground and give thanks to the foot that crushes me i think that is blasphemous bertha said miss glover oh i have no patience with you fanny said bertha raising herself a flush lighting up her face can you realize what i've gone through the terrible pain of it oh it was too awful even now when i think of it i almost scream it is by suffering that we rise to our higher self said miss glover suffering is a fire that burns away the grossness of our material natures what rubbish you talk cried bertha passionately you can say that when you've never suffered people say that suffering ennobles one it's a lie it only makes one brutal but i would have borne it for the sake of my child it was all useless utterly useless dr ramsay told me the child had been dead the whole time oh if god made me suffer like that it's infamous i wonder you're not ashamed to put it down to god how can you imagine him to be so stupid so cruel Why, even the vilest beast in the slums wouldn't cause a woman such frightful and useless agony for the mere pleasure of it miss glover sprang to her feet bertha your illness is no excuse for this you must either be mad or utterly depraved and wicked no i'm more charitable than you cried bertha i know there is no god and i for one can have nothing more to do with you miss glover's cheeks were flaming and a sudden indignation dispelled her habitual shyness fanny fanny cried her brother restrain yourself oh this isn't a time to restrain oneself charles it's one's duty to speak out sometimes no bertha if you're an atheist i can have nothing more to do with you she spoke in anger said the vicar it is not our duty to judge her it's our duty to protest when the name of god is taken in vain charles if you think bertha's position excuses her blasphemies charles then i think you ought to be ashamed of yourself but i'm not afraid to speak out yes bertha i've known for a long time that you were proud and headstrong but i thought time would change you i have always had confidence in you because i thought at the bottom you were good but if you deny your maker Bertha, there can be no hope for you. Fanny, Fanny, murmured the vicar. Let me speak, Charles. I think you're a bad and wicked woman, and I can no longer feel sorry for you because everything that you have suffered, I think you have thoroughly deserved. Your heart is absolutely hard, and I know nothing so thoroughly wicked as a hard-hearted woman. My dear Fanny said bertha smiling we've both been absurdly melodramatic i refuse to laugh at the subject i see nothing ridiculous in it come charles let us go and leave her to her own thoughts but as miss glover bounded to the door the handle was turned from the outside and mrs branderton came in the position was awkward and her appearance seemed almost providential to the vicar who could not fling out of the room like his sister but also could not make up his mind to shake hands with bertha as if nothing had happened mrs branderton entered all airs and graces smirking and ogling and the gewgaws on her brand-new bonnet quivered with every movement i told the servant i could find my way up alone bertha she said i wanted so much to see you mr and miss glover were just going how kind of you to come miss glover bounced out of the room with a smile at mrs branderton that was almost ghastly and mr glover meek polite and as antiseptic as ever shaking hands with mrs branderton followed his sister what queer people they are said mrs branderton standing at the window to see them come out of the front door i really don't think they're quite human why she's walking out in front she might wait for him taking such long steps and he's trying to catch her up i believe they're having a race <laughs> ha, ha what ridiculous people isn't it a pity she will wear short skirts my dear her feet and ankles are positively awful i believe they wear one another's boots indiscriminately (laughs) and how are you dear i think you're looking much better mrs branderton sat in such a position as to have full view of herself in a mirror what nice-looking glasses you have in your room my love no woman can dress properly without them now you've only got to look at poor fanny glover to know that she's so modest as never even to look at herself in the glass to put her hat on mrs branderton chattered on thinking that she was doing bertha good a woman doesn't want one to be solemn when she's ill i know when i have anything the matter i like someone to talk to me about the fashions i remember in my young days when i was ill i used to get old mr crowhurst the former vicar to come and read the ladies papers to me he was such a nice old man not a bit like a clergyman and he used to say i was his only parishioner whom he really liked visiting i'm not tiring you am i dear oh dear no said bertha now i suppose the glovers have been talking all sorts of stuff to you of course one has to put up with it i suppose because it sets a good example to the lower orders. but i must say i do think the clergy nowadays sometimes forget their place i consider it most objectionable when they insist on talking religion with you as if you were a common person but they're not nearly so nice as they used to be in my young days the clergy were always gentlemen's sons but then they weren't expected to trouble about the poor i can quite understand now a gentleman shouldn't like to become a clergyman he has to mix with the lower classes and they're growing more familiar every day but suddenly bertha without warning burst into tears mrs branderton was flabbergasted my dear what's the matter where are your salts shall i ring the bell bertha sobbing violently begged mrs branderton to take no notice of her that fashionable creature had a sentimental heart and would have been delighted to weep with bertha but she had several calls to make and could not risk a disarrangement of her person she was also curious and would have given much to find out the cause of bertha's outburst she comforted herself however by giving the hancocks whose at-home day it was a detailed account of the affair and they shortly afterwards recounted it with sundry embellishments to mrs mayston ryle mrs mayston ryle magnificently imposing as ever snorted like a charger eager for battle mrs branderton sends me to sleep frequently she said but i can quite understand that if the poor thing isn't well mrs branderton would make her cry i never see her myself unless i'm in the most robust health otherwise i know she'd simply make me howl but i wonder what's the matter with poor mrs craddock said miss hancock i don't know answered mrs mayston ryle in her majestic manner but i'll find out i dare say she only wants a little good society i shall go and see her and she did chapter eighteen